1: Raise your hand if you could ever describe your life as a hot mess, ever. Well, perfect, this message is for you then, because that's what we're gonna be talking about. We're gonna be talking about being a hot mess. So that's the title of my message today, which is how to clean up a mess. How to clean up a mess. That's what I'm gonna teach you guys. All right, so the world kind of decides what a mess is for us, right? And what's not a mess? Now the world will decide if you are married, maybe you have your MBA, you're married, you have kids, you own your own home, your life is not a mess. And then if you're somebody that's struggling financially, maybe you're divorced and you've gone through some tough seasons in life, your life would be described as a mess. But let me go ahead and burst that bubble for you right now and tell you even when you're on the highest mountaintops, you're still gonna experience messes. And so I don't know what season of life you're in, but I just wanna encourage you and tell you that even though it feels like a mess, there's still hope in the end. And this message is for you if you've ever gotten to a place where you've even felt a little bit stuck. Maybe you've got in your own Way Maybe you're not sure what to do. And maybe as I'm saying some of these things here, you're like, I don't know if that's entirely me. I don't, I've never really experienced any big traumas or stuff like that. But your life can also be a mess if you're somebody who's maybe just staying in a job just because. Maybe you're not really enjoying that job, but you don't know what else to do. Or maybe it's, you're not married and you're in a relationship. And you do the same thing with that relationship. You stay in that relationship just because it's comfortable and you're not sure what else to do. But I want to help you guys unlock and make a shift in your perspective today about your very own hot Mass. Are you guys ready to do that? Yeah. All right, amen. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to teach you a little bit from the book of Esther. Now I love this story. Who's read the book of Esther before or heard of the book? Okay, some of us, um, I love this story. There's two books in the Bible that are named after women. There is Esther and there is Ruth. And Esther is one of my favorite all-time stories, mainly because this story is an absolute hot mess. If you've read the story of Esther, you know it's kind of like a soap opera, all right? There is murder, there is banquet there's a beauty pageant then there's more murder and there was revenge so it really is an absolute hot mess now I'm gonna give you kind of the cliff note version of what happens in Esther so there is a king in the land of Zusa at this time and his name is King Xerxes and he basically puts this decree across all of the land to say that he's gonna collect all of the virgins and decide which one is going to be his queen now Esther has gone through some tough stuff in life already Both of her parents have died and she lives with her uncle Mordecai. Now Mordecai and Esther are both Jewish, all right? And so then they go and they, um, Esther is one of the virgins that's chosen to be paraded in front of the king. And she's actually the one that is chosen to become queen. So Esther is chosen to become queen. And when she's queen, the King Xerxes makes another decree. And in this decree, he claims that he's gonna kill every single person that's Jewish in Zusa. Now at this time he does not know that Esther is Jewish. Esther and Mordecai are both going to die. And so what happens is Mordecai sends a message to Esther through some messengers, and she finally receives this message that that's what the king's planning on doing. Now, Esther, she's got to do something. This is already a hot mess already, right, guys? She's got to do something. She's the only one that has access to the king. But at the time, you can't just walk up to a king and start talking to him. You have to wait till he extends his scepter to you before you get into his presence. And so Esther kind of makes her way around that, and the king comes to her and says, "What is it what you want, and she has the opportunity to convince him against killing all of the Jewish people in Zusa. She was there for such a time as this. There's revenge. It's so ironic. There's plot twists. So if you get the opportunity, make sure you read this story. But what happens at the end is no Jewish people die that day, and even more people became Jews that day because of Esther and because of what she had done. So let's give it up for Esther real quick. because she was able to stand up and step into her purpose and step into her calling. All right, so now that we have the story of Esther, the Cliff Notes version, story of Esther, I'm gonna give you kind of the steps to cleaning up our mess. Now, one thing that's really important to know about the story of Esther is that throughout the story, it continuously mentions that everybody loved Esther. All right, they loved her. She just naturally, everybody was drawn to her. Even the messengers or the servants, they loved her. And I'm sure that that's one of the reasons why King Xerxes chose her. But it's so important to notice this because Esther could not choose her situation, but she chose her reaction. You can't choose your situation but you can choose your reaction. And I think that's the most beautiful piece of Esther's story. Now we have to remember that what is happening to Esther is not okay, all right? Esther was taken out of her home after experiencing both of her parents dying and she still chose joy in those moments. So I'm gonna take this deep for a second for you. Maybe you've experienced sexual abuse. Maybe you have had a parent who has died. Maybe you have a child who has a drug addiction. Maybe you have children who are far from Jesus. Maybe you have a husband or wife that's left. I wanna tell you that just because you've experienced that doesn't mean it's okay. Because sometimes the mess that we're standing in the middle of is not a mess that we made. Amen? Sometimes we aren't the ones who made a mess. Now you may be wondering why this is here today. And it's because I'm gonna show you how to make a mess. Now I have four kids and their room is constantly a mess. So I'm sorry for everybody. Oh, I'm sorry for everybody that has OCD in this place because I'm gonna preach with the being a little bit messy. Um, So if you need prayer, the prayer team will be outside ready for you. I love you, I love you. All right, so what you can do when you have a mess is you can acknowledge that you have a mess and you could use it. And that's what we're gonna teach you today. So step one is to throw away the trash. Step one, throw away the trash. All right, it may seem kind of obvious what's trash here today, right? Here's what's crazy. My children always end up with these in their room, snack wrappers. This is why it's crazy. They're not allowed to eat in their room. Yet these magically appear all the time, and I'm like, where did this come from? They're like, I have no idea. (laughs) Were you eating in your room? No. I've actually never seen them eat snacks in their room either. It's trash. Anybody else's kids do that? Anybody else's? Yeah, I do it, I do it. And I think sometimes when I ask them to clean their room, they just get so frustrated immediately, and they won't move until they cannot find their things. They procrastinate, they whine, and they will not move and start cleaning their rooms until they get to the point where they can't find like their favorite fidget, right? Or they can't find their homework. And then that's when they get to the point where they actually listen to their wonderful mother (laughs) and clean their room. And I think that's sometimes probably how God sees us, right? We've got that mess in our life. We've got that stuff that's happening in our lives. And how do we know it's messy? We know it's messy when we start to stumble over ourselves when we're missing stuff. Maybe you're missing the joy in your job. Maybe there's no more happiness left in your home. Maybe you can't even find the peace in your prayer time anymore, or you lost all your kindness with your children. And I just wanna encourage you that God sees us. He sees us right in those moments and right where you're at. Now, in the story of Esther, the name of God is not mentioned once. It's a very interesting fact about this book. It never mentions his name once. And when I tell my kids to throw out the trash, a lot of times they don't understand what trash is. When I was looking in the book of Esther, I'm like, I know God's here, because it's obvious. The things that happened and the way things were set up, it's so obvious that God's there, but his name is not mentioned once. And they're like, that's not trash. I'm like, it's October, that is trash. This is an Easter egg, it's trash. Or how about this one? Oh my gosh, I know my parents. You, you, you gotta shout me down on this one. This is a game, right? Do we have any of the other pieces? No, this is trash. And all my hoarders are like, don't do it. We could save it. Somebody else might have the pieces. And so what we've gotta throw away is how we're talking to ourselves. What kind of things are we speaking over our own lives? You know what's crazy? Sometimes we talk to ourselves in a way that we would never allow someone to talk to our best friend. Who, man, we'd be start throwing hands if we see that, right? Yeah. But yet we start saying stuff to ourselves like, I'm not good enough, I'm too old for that, or I'm too young for that, I could never do that. Or maybe I'm too much, I'm too much, I'm too much for that, they would never appreciate me. But it's so important that we understand that that kind of thinking, that's trash and we need to get rid of it. We've gotta throw away that trash. Now, every piece that I miss in my girl's room, right? There are times I don't do the white glove test, but I do go and I'm like, inspection time. And I go back into the room and I inspect it before they're allowed to come out and go back to play. But there's definitely times where I miss stuff. But you know, God doesn't miss anything there is not one piece that he misses in our lives. Psalm 139.6 says, this is just too wonderful, deep, and incomprehensible. Your understanding of me brings me wonder and strength. You know, sometimes when the light is shown into our lives and God gets all the way in there and can see all of the trash, all of the negative things that we've done, all of the bad things that we have said, sometimes we let that bring us shame and regret. And we don't, deal with that. But God says, that's not what I want you to do. I want it to bring you wonder and strength and knowing that in that place, I still love you. You're still my child and I love you right where you are. And I love you too much to leave you there. So that takes us on to step number two, which is we've got to sort everything out. Okay. Esther 4, 12 through 16 says, when Hatchath and this is like a messenger guy. I don't even know if I said his name right, but the messenger guy told Mordecai what Esther had said. Mordecai sent her this message. Don't think that just because you live in the king's house, you're the one Jew who will get out of this alive. If you persist in staying silent at a time like this, help and deliverance will arrive from the Jews from someplace else, but you and your family will be wiped out. Who knows? Maybe you were made queen for such a time as this. Now remember, Esther has gone through a lot of really tough stuff, really tough stuff. Parents have died, groomed to be in front of the king, and now her people are relying on her and her response. And then what happens? Mordecai says to her, you were created for such a time as this. She's got people speaking their purpose out in her life, calling that calling out of her life. He's telling her, you were created for such a time as this. Now I wanna share a little bit of my story with you guys. Uh, Growing up, I did not really grow up in a Christian home. We went to Catholic church every once in a while, but I didn't really understand Jesus too much. Uh, Matter of fact, when I actually did get saved, somebody was like, are you saved? And I was like, saved from what? Ah. I had no idea what that meant. And so growing up, we had, literally like the picture-perfect family. Uh, My mom and my dad, we would eat dinner together at 6 p.m. every night and like go around the dinner table like, what was your favorite part of the day, you know? And we would do that every single night. But when I was 14, our lives really changed because when I was 14, my dad was killed. And when my dad was killed, our lives just got completely torn apart. My mom and my dad had met when they were 14 years old, high school sweethearts. And so my mom was an absolute mess from experiencing that and then me and my brother and my sister we're teenagers now who just lost their dad that we were very close to and so we became a mess as well and we all kind of tried to start filling that void that we experienced with whatever was around i myself turned to drugs alcohol sex abusive relationships toxic relationships anything that i could find that could fill that void that i had in my heart i didn't know how to fill it but i just kept on trying. And then at 25 years old, I became a Christian and my life changed so much. And I got to experience what it's like to have a relationship with Jesus. And everything seemed to make a little bit more sense. My mess didn't seem so messy. And then I realized, like I said at the beginning, sometimes that mountaintop still has messes too. I realized that as a Christian, it doesn't mean you don't experience Josephine. She almost died in my arms after I gave birth to her. And I was told that she was never gonna walk or talk. She used to have a feeding tube. And now to this day, she still experiences seizures and has special needs and it's really tough. Um, And then after that, um, the man that I was married to told me that he didn't wanna be married anymore and I ended up getting a divorce. And I was walking through some of the toughest stuff that I never thought could happen to somebody that's a Christian. And it was really tough stuff for me to sort through It was really hard for me to figure out what all of this mess meant in my life. Now I think that one of the biggest pieces that we have to sort through and understand is that I had people in my life calling out my purpose. Mordecai was in Esther's life calling out her purpose. You were created for such a time as this Now, I don't know if I could have walked through those seasons if I didn't have people in my life. That's why we beat it into your heads like constantly, get in a small group, go to next steps. That's why that's so important. You have got to have those people in your circle that are calling out your purpose, that are speaking life into you, that are telling you, you can do it in two weeks. I encourage you, get those people around you that are gonna call that out of you. Mordecai called out that purpose in her. And the other thing that we need to sort out is the fact that, You cannot work to earn God's love because it's a gift, right? You can't work to earn God's love because it's a gift. And the reason I put this in this part of the message of something that you have to sort out is because I think that's the first thing we have to sort, but for whatever reason, we have a really hard time really understanding that. What that means is we have a God who loves us right where we're at. He loves you. And what I mean is, so we've got calling and we've got purpose. They're two different things. Your calling is vocationally, what you're supposed to do with your life. Your purpose is what and who you are. Who you're supposed to be is a child of God. You don't have to earn or work for it. Sometimes I think people in ministry get that mixed up. Not people preaching, people actually doing ministry. We think that if I work harder, if I pray harder, if I'm a better person, God's gonna love me more, and it's not true. You don't have to do any of this stuff to earn his love. It is a gift. All you have to do with a gift is accept it. it. That's it. So what I want you to do today is I want you to leave here knowing and having sorted out that this is a gift that is freely given to you. And I also wanna challenge you this week. I wanna challenge you to find somebody in your life that you love and just tell them, I love you simply for existing, not for anything that you do for me or anything you provide for me. I love you for just being you. And when we can sort through that, once we have that understood, then we can move on to the next step of cleaning up. A mess, which is step three. We're gonna put everything back in a new place. Put everything back in a new place. So Esther 4 15 through 16 says, Esther sent back her answer to Mordecai Go and get all the Jews living in Susa together. Fast for me. Don't eat or drink for three days, either day or night. I and my maids will fast with you. If you will do this, I'll go to the king, even though it's forbidden. If I die, I die. So what we're seeing here is we're seeing a major shift in Esther, okay? So she's having a shift from being super insecure, super unsure, super confused, to now saying, if I die, I die, right? (laughs) That's quite a big shift there. But it's important to see that she's understanding what God is calling her to and what her purpose is, right? All right, so now as my kids are told to clean their room, they kinda go through phases, okay? The first phase is just denial. Yeah. Go clean your room. They're like, she's not serious, <laughs> right? Yes, I absolutely am. And so then I tell them to clean their rooms again, and then the next phase is anger, which is essentially a temper tantrum, you know? They don't wanna do it, I don't, want, don't make me do it. The next phase is bargaining, where they try to tell me stuff like, if you let me clean it tomorrow, I will clean it better than I've ever cleaned in my whole life, just let me finish this game of Minecraft. <laughs> Right? The next phase is sadness, which is the same. It's a temper tantrum, just this one has tears. Okay? And then the last phase is acceptance, where they realize, oh my gosh, mom's not letting me out of this room until I clean it. We've gone days. I'm just kidding, we haven't gone days. (laughs) Everybody was like, oh gosh, should we call child authority on her? No, it's hours, maybe hours. Maybe like one day, okay? All right, so the reason why I'm telling you we have to put everything back in its new place is because we have to change our perspective. We have to have a new perspective on what's happening. All right, and so what phase, what stage are you on right now when it comes to your mess? Are you in denial with your mess? Not acknowledging that you've got a mess happening? Just trying to pretend like it's not even happening? Or maybe you're on the next phase, which is anger and you're mad at God. I can't believe you would let this kind of stuff happen to me god i thought you were going to be there for me or maybe you're on the third stage which is bargaining where you're trying to reason with god or maybe even just reason with yourself like mm, i'm just like this because of all the things that have happened to me so this is just who i am or maybe you're on the sadness phase where you're really experiencing a lot of depression and you don't know why and you just can't you're stuck you can't get out of the mess that you're in. And maybe even in that space, you need to get therapy. You need to go talk to somebody about what you're going through. And the next phase would be acceptance. And I think one of the most beautiful paths to acceptance is acknowledging how your mess has actually served you. So acknowledging how your mess has actually served you. And I'm gonna use myself as an example. Uh, My dad died when I was 14 years old But because of that, I understand how to love people well. And I understand how valuable relationships are and how important it is to tell people that I love them when I'm around them and when I see them. I experienced a life of addiction to the point where I thought I would never be able to live without using drugs. And so now because of that, I have so much more compassion for people that are in that season. I have so much more compassion for people that have even gotten themselves into messes themselves, that they're the ones that put them in that space. I can understand that because I've been through that. I can understand better than ever that I can do hard things because I have a child with special needs. Any of my special needs parents in this room, man, we know we can do really hard things after walking through life with a child with special needs. And lastly, because I've been through abusive, toxic relationships, I understand that now I can stand up for myself. I understand that I have worth. And I understand that sometimes you got the wrong one, okay? Sorry, I got a little hood there. I apologize. You guys saw the Steeler picture, okay? There was a time. There was a time. All right, so now we're going to go to step four and how to clean a mess, which is use it. So we have to take everything that we've learned so far, and we have to use it. Look at this. So clean now, you guys. Doesn't it make you so happy? Look at the floor, there's so much room for activities, right? Huh? Okay. (laughs) We're gonna go to Proverbs twenty-nine eighteen. If people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. When they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. When we've got a mess on the floor, we're gonna end up stumbling all over ourselves. But when we attend to what God reveals to us, that's when we can be the most blessed. Now listen, if you misunderstand your situation, you misunderstand God. If you misunderstand your situation, you misunderstand God. Now I almost did not teach from the book of Esther, specifically because God's name is not mentioned once. And so I really went back and forth about it. And then I was like, wait a second, this is a book in the Bible. Of course, I can teach it. But I kept looking for it. I kept looking for God's name in the book. And then I realized something. I don't have to go looking for God because God is not lost. My friend, God is not lost in your life either. He's, nothing, he's not something that you have to go start searching for. He's been there the whole time. He has orchestrated everything to happen to get you to such a time as this, and it may feel messy, and you may feel stretched, but God knows that. He sees every piece of your story, he sees every part of your mess, and he loves you right there. Now, uh, when we're using this example of the room, all right? So we've got everything cleaned up, we've got our, our mess to the side, and you know this has been like a depiction of my daughter's room. When I'm thinking about God and where God is in this image, I actually think God is more like this lamp, right? God does something that nothing else could do. He shines the light so that we can see everything. I'm sure you've heard before God's mentioned as the light in the darkness. But that light is meant to shine on all of the spaces of us all of the pieces of us that we think are too dirty or not, not worth it, all of the stuff that we've been through, all of the mess that we've been through, even if it's mess that we've got ourselves into. Now listen, I know it is hard to trust God sometimes. It's hard to trust God when you feel alone, situation after situation happen to you. It's hard to trust God when you have a loved one pass away or a best friend. It's hard to trust God when you've walked through seasons like cancer, when you have children who are far from God and you raise raised them in the church. It's so hard to trust God through those life moments. But our faith, it's not built on trust. Our faith, our faith is built on trust. It's not built on understanding as much as i want to stand up here today and tell you there's so much you can understand about your story and there is there's things we can talk through and things that we can sort through but when it comes down to it our faith is built on trusting him and we have a god that we can trust we have a god that is so good that he will orchestrate every part of your life every part of your mess to have a beautiful ending and all he wants Is a relationship with you. All he wants is the opportunity to shine that light so that you can walk fully into the healing that God has for you. So let's go ahead and stand up in this room today. I want to invite you, if you're comfortable with it, to just open up your hands. Just as a posture of surrender to him. And if you feel comfortable with it, go ahead and close your eyes. I've got some traumatic stuff that you've been through. Maybe there's some stuff you're going through right now. Or maybe you're just somebody who feels like your mess is in your job or the situation that you're living in. And it doesn't even seem too much to be able to share it with people. Like people wouldn't actually understand that this is a mess, but for you it is. I wanna acknowledge that, that it's okay that you feel like it's a mess. But as we open our hands to God today, this is the posture of saying, God, I give it to you. I trust you with this mess, Jesus. I trust you that whatever you wanna do in my life is good because you are a good Father. And before we go today, I also want to give you the opportunity, if you're somebody that doesn't have a relationship with Jesus, I want to encourage you to trust Him today. Maybe your story hasn't made sense up until this point, but the shift that I had in my life when I started a relationship with Jesus is it's not that there was no more mess. It was that I had something to hold on to through the mess, something that shone a light onto me and gave me healing through my mess, something that held tight to me and helped me understand that I am worth it so all over this room if you're somebody who doesn't have a relationship with Jesus I'm going to count to three and on the count of three I want you to raise up your hand just to say that's me I want to start a relationship with him today or maybe you're somebody who had a relationship with Jesus as a child or when you were younger and you're ready to come back home to him on the count of three all over this room if that's you raise your hand one two three lift up those hands if that's you Amen, amen, I see your hands in the back. Amen, I see your hands. You can go ahead and put your hands down. If you raise your hand and everybody else all over this room, let's pray this prayer together. Heavenly Father, take our mess and replace it with your light, Jesus. I give it to you, come into my heart, make me new, it's in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let's give it up for all those people.
0: hope you've enjoyed this message and we would love to hear your story and how this ministry is changing your life. Please email us at amen at journeyorl.com. And if you would like to support financially, you can give online at journeyorl.com give. If you're in the area, join us on Sunday for the full experience. Have a blessed week.